Well, as I've been saying, we're going through a, uh, Ephesians, the end of Ephesians leading up to Easter, because the book of Ephesians is all about salvation. And Ephesians 4 through 6, and I've said it every week, so hopefully maybe you haven't memorized by this point. Ephesians 4 through 6 is all about if the cross and what Jesus did on Easter is such a big deal, and our salvation is such a big deal, how should that change how we walk? How should that change what we do as Christians? In Ephesians 5.18, Paul tells us that we need to walk by God's wisdom because the world is dark and the world is filled with these moral landmines. And then he tells us again in verse 22 of chapter 5, or sorry, in verse uh, 18 of chapter 5, that we are to be filled with the Spirit and we can walk wisely when we are filled with the Spirit. And he concludes with verse 21, he says, a sign or a byproduct or a means of being filled with the Spirit is submitting to each other, submitting to each other, being subject to one another. Well, that raises the question, is Paul saying that there should be no authority structures and that everybody is equal and that there's, there, we should have a living playing field and all roles should be cast aside just like there should be anarchy or something like that? No, that's not at all what Paul means when he says we should mutually submit to one another. And to prove that, over the next several sections, he talks about three relationships that show this mutual submission. They show how we can walk wisely and be filled with the Spirit in a world that is dark and is lost. And that's the marriage relationship between a husband and a wife, the relationship between a child and their parents, and a relationship between what we call their workers and their bosses. In which each of these three relationships, Paul's going to show that the key to them is that they display the gospel of Christ when they're worked out by them. When we as Christians choose to follow God's blueprint for our relationships, these three places, we become pictures of the gospel to a world that needs us. And it can be difficult, it can be hard to do this, it can be countercultural to do this, but the world needs to see it from us. And the second of those relationships is the parent and child. Now, as I was praying and preparing for this sermon today, uh, I originally had planned to do all of verses 1 through 4 this morning. Because they go together. The parents and the kids, they, they should go together in one sermon. But as I begin to pray and think about it, I realized that this is such a crucial issue in the Bible, for one thing. Families, parents, children, how they relate to each other, how they relate to the world is such a crucial issue in the Bible and then our, our culture and our society, there, there's just so much misinformation out there about that kind of stuff. I just could not, I could not get something down through all four verses that didn't feel like I was shortchanging y'all on something. And so I cut it in half, which doesn't mean it's going to be super short. <laughs> but sweet, 15 minutes. No. <laughs> I cut it in half. And we're going to talk about just verses 1 through 3 today. We'll do verses 4 next week um, to talk about the parents and child. You see, the reason why this is such a crucial issue today is because, like I said, there's so, there's so much ideas out there, psychological ideas, educational ideas, developmental ideas about children and how to raise children, how to rear children. Um, the problem is that God's blueprint, as we said, always includes a picture of the gospel. And our culture's idea of children and raising children is veiled and always will be veiled to a degree or distorted to a degree 
because our culture does not have a correct view of how to have a relationship with God. And since they don't have a correct view of a relationship with God, they'll never have a fully correct view of how to deal with parents and children. And we see this in the results that happen in America when it comes to parents and kids. The U.S. Department of Education did a study in 2019, and they found in 2019 that just over half, 50.6% of high school seniors will graduate, and they will be living, uh, only 50.6% will be living with both biological parents that are married. So in other words, when in a few weeks, when they have graduation all across America for high school students, every other name called out across America will be for a child who does not live with both biological parents in a marriage. Half of kids in America. So among teenagers, suicide in the last few years has become the second biggest cause of death among teenagers for the first time in American history. Suicide has jumped 60% in the last decade among teenagers. For the first time in U.S. history, it surpassed homicide as the second biggest killer of teenagers. And then um, studies in, in Alabama, they admitted, AL.com did a, a research study where they talked to the state superintendent who admitted and saw that said, hey, we're having increased disciplinary issues with kids at school. They, all across Alabama and across uh, other states as well, they found that there's uh, more signs of disrespect, more disruptive stuff in classrooms, even increased in verbal and physical violence among students and teachers. And this is, what they, this is what the state superintendent of Alabama said about this. He said there's a lack of respecting the roles, a lack of respecting order, and we're not sure where this comes from. Schools, they're, they're, the education system and child psychologists are confused because there's, there's codes out there, there's, there's plans, there's programs like Sesame Street that teach kids how they're supposed to behave, and yet it seems like this problem is not going away. Everything they try doesn't seem to make it better, and so this is what they said. They said we could be seeing more and more problems because there might be an underlying issue, and we've got to address this underlying issue, whether that's through some counseling, or in some cases, I think it's outside the scope of the school. <laughs> that's coming from the State Board of Education just a couple years ago. It doesn't help that we know that two-thirds or three-fourths of youth, when they graduate from high school, tend to not no longer go to church in their 20s and 30s. Two-thirds, three-fourths of students that attend church in high school don't attend church in their 20s and 30s. I'm not saying that everything that uh, psycho child psychology and child education and child development and childhood biology. I'm not saying that everything that they've talked to us about is bad. In fact, my minor in college was psychology, and I took a lot of childhood psychology classes. Not all of it's bad, but this is what I'm saying. It's 2022. You would think after hundreds of years of research in biology and psychology and, and counseling and education and, and all this stuff, that after hundreds of years of research, we'd be able to perfect how to raise children and how to be pet parents. But we haven't figured it out yet. And it might be because we're trying to raise kids and trying to parent separate from God's blueprint for the family. It might be that because we're trying to 
get away from what God originally planned a family to do and how they relate to each other, the kids and the parents together. And so our goal as Christians is to live on purpose for God, for the glory of God, in a lost and dying world. So we're going to look at just the kids today, the children, I should say, verses 1 through 3, this command he has for them. I'm going to read, read it to you. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first command with a promise, so that it may go that it may turn out well for you, and that you may live long on the earth. The first command is to children, and it's children is obey your parents as in the Lord. Throughout the sermon today, I'm going to use the term parents. But as we've already saw and I've already talked about, our, our American culture, the family, to say parent and reserve that only to biological parents is to miss how this passage can be applied. So I'm going to use the term parent as just for simplicity and clarity's sake uh, to make it easier. But I'm going to use the word parent to mean anybody who is taking care of a child in that sort of role, a parental role. And that doesn't have to be the biological parents. Y'all aren't getting me today? But this passage applies to more than just biological parents in this role. And it's to children, and the command is, children, obey your parents. And all the parents said, amen. Amen, that's right. <laughs> I mean, y'all get your chance. The kids will get your chance next week. <laughs> amen back. <laughs> um, the word obey there means to listen intensively with the intent on doing what's said. It means to follow a command. It has the picture of somebody knocking at a door and going to the door to answer it and let them in. And it says, children, are to obey your parents in the Lord. This is what I want you to get. That phrase right there, verse 1, in the Lord. Just like how we talked about wives in last week, if you were here with us last week, the motivation, the inspiration of why you obey your parents is not just because your parents said so, even though they might tell you that, because I said so. <laughs> the biblical reason why and the biblical motivation why you obey your parents is because he says you do it as if you're doing it to Christ. You glorify God and you bring honor to the Lord by obeying your parents. You show your relationship to Christ in a lost and dying world by honoring your parents. Why is that? Well, because God has designed the parental role to be a tool and a helping stone and a model for how God relates to us. Numerous places in the Bible, God talks about how he is the Father. I mean, he's one of the Trinity, the Trinity God the Father. And in places like Malachi, he connects how we relate to our parents as being in a similar way to how we relate to God. So he says, children, obey your parents. And later he'll say, children, honor your parents. Why? Because it's a picture and it's a helping stone of how we honor and glorify and obey God. It's a picture to a lost and dying world on how we respect God and have a relationship with God. And it's a training tool for us because if you can't learn to obey your parents, you're going to struggle to obey God. But I want, so if you haven't, if you don't get anything else today, and if you fall asleep for the rest of the sermon, at least get that part. Children, obey your parents as to Christ. Now, the word children there was used, it was, didn't necessarily mean young kids. It was used for anybody who had parents, no matter what their age were. So even though we look at this passage and we say, hey, 
You know, I'm not a kid. I'm not under 18. This passage doesn't apply to me. That word technically could mean anybody who has parents, even if they're passed away. So all of us here today, this passage applies to in some way, because if you've been born, you are a child, according to this passage. And if you haven't been born, talk to me, because I probably need to take you to a psychiatric treatment facility. <laughs> so that's why in verse 2, when Paul talks about the same command... And goes back to Exodus, which the original command was, it uses the word honor. Which was the word meaning to highly esteem, to put on a pedestal, to make something seem very valuable. It was a term used of objects that when you go to, you look at the object and you estimate its price. And you estimate its price as being very costly, as being an expensive item to pay for. And so the idea is when we honor our parents is we show that they have value, we show that they are respected, we show that they have are high lifted up in our own eyes. So he says, children, obey and honor your parents in the Lord. This changes over time. We'll talk about that in a second. It changes what it means to obey and honor your parents in the Lord as you get older, as your parents get older. But even though what it looks like to obey and honor your parents changes as you get older, the command itself never falls away. No matter what age you are in here, God's command for the family, God's blueprint to show the gospel in the world is for you to obey and honor your parents. Why should you do that? Well, he gives us three reasons. First, he says, because it's right. That's, that's Paul's way. I had to laugh at this because it's basically Paul's way of saying, because I told you so. Why should you do that? He said, because it's right, because I told you so. The word right there is connected to the idea of following the law, following normal expected behavior, following things that are accepted. When you go around cultures throughout the world, when you think about cultures throughout all time, almost every culture throughout all time, almost every culture around the world has agreed that it's right for children to appropriately do what their parents tell them to do and appropriately honor their parents no matter what age they are. So he says it's right. We could say general revelation tells us that this is right. But then he says not just general revelation, but special revelation tells us it's right too. Because if it doesn't convince us by looking around and knowing just in our hearts that this is the right thing to do, he says, okay, I'll show you that scripture tells us too it's the right thing to do. And in verse 2, he quotes the original command back in Exodus, which is one of the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother. This is to show that this is not something new that Paul is coming up with against the Ephesians. This is God's blueprint from the beginning of time for the family. God's blueprint for the family has always been for children to show the gospel by honoring and obeying their parents to a lost and dying world. That's always been God's plan. That special revelation has told us that. But if you're listening and you don't really care what general revelation, what the culture tells you, and you don't really care what the Bible tells you, Paul gives us one last reason, and he grabs the selfish heartstrings, and he pulls on those. And he says, okay, I'm going to grab one last string to prove to you, and I'm going to pull on your own selfishness. He said, okay, I'll give you one more reason. There's a promise with it that you'll have a life well lived. If you don't listen to the Bible, you don't listen to general revelation, listen to this, you'll have a life well lived if you obey and honor your parents. Verse, in verse 3. Now this command in verse 3 is, we have to remember when he says it's a promise. And I want you to hear me this. He's not 
applying this promise to individual people. When you go back to Exodus, when the promise is originally made, the promise was not to individual Israelites. It was to Israel as a society, Israel as a culture. He's telling all of them as a nation, if you as a nation in general will honor and obey your parents, then you as a nation in general will have long life and good lives in the promised land that you have. And so this... This is not a promise to you that I can look at you in your face and say, if you obey what your parents tell you to, you will definitely live to 90 and have no problems in your life. Some of y'all laughing because you know already that promise ain't true. Because it's not meant to us as individuals. It's meant to us as a people. But we can say this. We can say that if you honor and obey your parents, your life will be longer and better than if you choose to not. Why is that? Well, as parents, we're here, good parents are here to protect, provide for, and care for their kids. We're here to protect, provide for, and care for our kids. You know, looking, now that we have Josie and Millie, looking back on our own life, it truly is sometimes a miracle that kids grow up. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've had no kids, you know what I'm talking about when I say, we can't have anything on the floor because Josie, she has microscopic vision. She can find things on the floor that the vacuum can't even pick up. She'll find food on the floor that the dog even misses with his nose. You'll find dog food on the floor. You're like, no, don't eat the dog food. Don't eat that. You know, you have to be around. You have to be careful. She's constantly picking up stuff. She's constantly doing things that you want to feel like, you know, like standing on a piece of furniture. You're like, don't stand on that. You'll fall. It's a miracle sometimes that kids grow up. You can think back to your own life and some of the things you did. And you said, man, it's a miracle that I grew up. Because <laughs> the parents are there to protect us when we do what they say. I grew up um, doing a lot of outdoor activities. And I remember the things my dad said as we were doing those outdoor activities. Don't stick your hand under a rock because there might be a black widow spider under there. Don't stick your foot in places in grass that's too high, especially if you're listening for rattles when you, if you're going to be out in grass like that because there might be snakes in the way. You know, if you have a gun, even if you think it's unloaded and the breach is open, don't point it at anybody. Treat it like it's loaded, no matter how, whatever you think it is. Never point it at somebody and always act like you can fire at any time. And those mantras repeat in my head even to this day when I'm outside. And they keep me safe, even to this day, when I'm riding outside. And now I have Josie, and she's too little to know those things yet. And I find myself the whole time watching her going, oh, no, she's going to get, you know, she needs to watch where she's stepping. There could be a snake out there. You know, she needs to watch her putting her hands. There could be a spider out there. And I know I'm going to have to teach her those things, too, to make sure she lives a long life and leads a good life as best as she can. You know, as a kid, you see a rock. You know, like, that looks like something fun I want to pick up. Or you see a pile of leaves or a pile of grass, a pile of sticks, you're like, that looks like something fun I want to play in. You see something laying on the ground, you're like, that looks like something easy that I could eat. And we feel like these things that our parents have told us are hindrances to us having fun, hindrances to us being who we are. But we see what it means that our parents, good parents are here to help us. And the promise, the general promise is true that if we honor and obey our parents, then we'll have a life well lived. We'll have a longer life and a better life than we would if we hadn't honored and obeyed our parents. Now, this is a very countercultural thing to believe today. This is something that is swimming upstream from what's taught. 
Because in today's society in America, we're taught that everybody's equal, that there's no role differences, there's no hierarchy differences, that everybody's the same, and parental authority over their kids has gotten diminished and diminished and diminished. We see that in the courts, where you have courts that are trying to rule about kids who have transgendered feelings and trying to overrule parental authority over their own kids in that matter. You see it in what messages are often taught. You know, we hear, hear things, and cultures teach things that parents are unintelligent, parents don't understand who you are, parents don't know what you're going through, like they've never been teenagers before. And uh, you're taught things like, hey, following your parents and honoring your parents and obeying your parents, that's a hindrance to you becoming who you want to be. That's, that's something that binds you, that's something that restricts you, that's something that prevents you to truly having a life well lived, to having a life that's fulfilling and um, the best thing and the courageous thing to do really is to break out and do what you feel like is right and go against that kind of stuff if you feel like it's right because you need to be you, be you. And that message is taught, sometimes subtly, that we don't even realize it. And it sneaks into places and it drills into kids' heads. It drills into our heads even as adults if we grew up hearing that. Um, for example, there's a, I haven't seen this movie, but I've read several reviews about it because it's been making what, uh, waves, and it's the new Pixar movie called Turning Red. It's been making some waves among reviewers if you haven't seen that because of some of the content that's in it. And I haven't seen the movie yet, I'll admit that, but I did re read some of the reviews. <coughs> and it's kind of a typical rebellion movie. And that's not new. I mean, you can think back to tons of movies that are about children not doing what their parents told them. I mean, you can go decades back to the 90s, 80s, 70s, maybe 60s, to movies about kids not doing what their parents told them to. So that's, that's not new about this movie. What's new is that the message is a little bit more overt than it was in the past, and it's been bothering some people. For example, in the very first scene, the protagonist is talking, and she says, we live... I live in a culture where you're supposed to honor your parents as your top priorities. But then she says, but if you honor your parents too much, you'll forget to honor yourself. Do you see that little, that little statement there that she makes in that movie? It's a little, it's a quick. It, if you're not paying attention, it can almost blow past you like it's not that big of a deal. But it's a little nugget, a little tip, a little hint that the way to have an unhindered life, the way to have a fulfilling life, the way to have your best life, probably is to not completely show honor and obedience to your parents. And that goes completely against what this verse says. This verse says that if you want a fulfilled life, if you want a life well lived, if you want a long life, learn to honor and obey your parents. So God, what God has done is he has looked in his omniscience and omnipresence omnipotence, he has looked and he has created a blueprint for marriage, for the family. <coughs> and even though in the short term it might feel like what our parents have told us is keeping us from true fulfillment and happiness, God says, hey, I have the long-term thing <coughs> in mind. And God says, I've seen what the future lies. And he says, I'm telling you, if you want a life well lived, and a life that's as long as possible. Learn to honor and obey your parents. We find in Scripture that the motivation is Christ, 
to shine the gospel to a lost and dying world, we also find our model is Christ too. If you want to know what it looks like to be a good child to a parent, look at Jesus. Luke tells us that when Jesus was a little kid that he submitted himself to his parents and everything. So here you have the child of the Son of God, God in man himself, submitting himself to his earthly parents. I mean, think about that for just a second. The incredibleness of that statement that someone who is God himself would still submit to the obedience of his parents. Uh, there is no person in the world that thinks they're better, that can prove they're better than their parents like Jesus could. Because he was God. Now sometimes we feel, might feel like we're God compared to our parents, but Jesus really was God compared to his parents, and he still obeyed and submitted to them when they were, he was younger. In his incarnation as the Son of God, he submitted to his heavenly Father in all things. He was sinless. Then when he was on the cross, he was, he was an adult, he still continued to follow this command, even as an adult, hanging on the cross. Jesus needed to take care of his mother Mary, who was there, Jesus being the oldest son. And so he does. He honors his mom by making sure she's getting taken care of. In John chapter 19, we read, it says, So when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, meaning John, standing there, Jesus said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took Mary into his own home. Even on the cross, Jesus was making sure he was honoring and obeying his mother. So if you need a motivation, if you need a model, if you want to know what it looks like to be a good son and daughter to your parents, look to Jesus. He's the inspiration. He's the hope. He's the fulfillment. So what does this look like for us today? Well, I think there's two, two things that can be true for us today, depending on our life situations, and then one thing it's not. And just like I did last week, let me talk about the stuff that it doesn't mean. This passage does not mean that children are to obey and honor their, obey their parents, even if the parents are telling them to sin or be abused. We talked about this with wives. That every time there's a command in Scripture that tells that God says, obey this authority figure, or God says, uh, obey the commands of this authority figure, there's always the implied command that God's authority supersedes man's authority, and God's commands supersedes man's commands. So this passage cannot be used to command a child to sin or be abused. It cannot. And if you have that in your past, if you have gone through that I say I weep with you. I pray that they didn't use this passage to help push you toward that because that's not what this passage is meant for at all. That's totally misapplying what God's intent is in his heart because this passage is to show the love of Christ through the gospel. That is certainly not how we show the love of Christ in the gospel. So we weep with you. We celebrate that there is healing and that there is hope and with Jesus, that Jesus can break and bind our broken hearts and we say, hey, if we know or if you know of anybody that is abusing or a kid or making a kid sin, report it. Because abusers should not have protection. So that's not what this passage is. This passage is not protecting abusers and forcing kids to do things that are wrong. So what does this passage mean? Well, with that in mind, we say first we'll drive, apply it directly to what Paul has in mind, which is to... Children still in the home. We can certainly say for people, if you are 
not in America, we would say definitely if you haven't graduated from high school yet, you have college students in your house, you might want to bump that number up a little bit, I know in your heart. <laughs> but uh, we can definitely say for college students that are still in high school and above, not yet graduated, your role is to obey and honor your parents. And you don't do it just because your parents told you to. You don't do it just because they're older than you or bigger than you. You're doing it because if you are a Christian, then that is your ability to show a lost and dying world how you relate to God, how God relates to us in reality and truth. It's a picture of the gospel when you obey your parents and what they say, when you honor your parents and what they say. And so... For children, what I want you to take away from, for you guys that are younger than 18, is that. Don't do it just because it's your parents. Do it because it's your relationship to God. Now, if you're older than 18, and uh, like I said, for those who have kids that are in college, you probably, again, want to push that number up. Um, what do we do? What do? Which is the most of us in here. What do we do with this passage? Because we still kind of apply it because we're all children. Well, the Bible doesn't really tell us how that transition happens in this passage. It doesn't give a clear, deal, uh, clear line on how obedience and honor looks as you get older. We know that Josie, as a two-year-old, certainly treat, should treat me differently as a teenager should treat their parents, and a young adult and older adult should treat their parents. And the Bible says that's true, too, since the original command is to honor and not obey. But how does that actually look like? And I think, I think that's where the conflicts usually happen. Because it's something that we have to work out with our parents. Um, and it's usually a result of the kids having a different idea of what it means to obey and honor their parents than the adults do as they get older, when they're out of, when they're out of high school. But we do know this. this kind of, the command has always stands that we should honor our parents and respect them. Even if they don't deserve that honor and respect. I said I did a lot of work with kids that were sexually abused and had hurt, and it was hard for them to stomach that. And if that's your history, it might be hard for you to stomach that too. But the Bible says we are to honor and respect our parents. Why? Because we're doing it to Christ and for Christ, not for them. It also means that as we get older, we need to continue to obey, at least in the very sense of carefully consider what they say and actually respect what they say and try to respect their wishes and wants. They might not have the direct authority over us like they did when we were younger. In fact, the Bible tells us explicitly in Ephesians 5 that when at least we get married, then our priority is to our spouse and not to our parents. That the number one person we should be living for is our spouse instead of living for our parents anymore. So we know that there's a transition that happens there at least when we get married. But there still should be a degree of honor and respect, a still degree of obedience where we care and we want to help to wishes and respect of what our parents have for us. And then as our parents get even older, we know that the Bible tells us that we're supposed to take care of our parents. We're supposed to provide for them. We're supposed to let them know that they are as taken care of by us as they took care of us when we were younger. And that's how we obey and respect them as we get older and as their health declines. And the Bible tells us that. That's, that's a command from Scripture. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, if there is any widow that has children or grandchildren, 
They, meaning the children or grandchildren, must first learn to show proper respect for their own family and to give back compensation to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. Verse 8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his own household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's how we show honor and respect. And if we don't have children, if, if you're younger, or, or if you uh, don't have children, or if you grow older and you don't have children in the home, you have grandchildren, you can still do what you can to work with children. Be a spiritual influence to any kid you can. You have people looking up to you. Teenagers, you have kids looking up to you. You can be a spiritual parent to them. In fact, you probably are, whether you realize it or not. So be a good spiritual parent to them. As we get older, you have people, whether nieces, nephews, uh, friends who have kids, whatever it was, grandkids, that they're looking up to you. Be that spiritual influence to them. Too. So this passage is for the household. The first three verses is for the children. It says, children, obey your parents as to Christ. Not doing it because they said so. Not just doing it because it's right. We're doing it because that's how we show what it means to have the gospel in our lives to a lost and dying world. A world that desperately needs to see the hope of the gospel and how we run our families. So let me pray.